Hello, and welcome to the Accountability Coach Podcast, where we discuss proven business success principles related to helping you make more money and work less so you can enjoy having your ideal business and ideal life. This is Ann Backrack. Today, we have a special guest with us who I think you will find to be extremely knowledgeable about relationships as it relates to getting and keeping clients as well as in our personal life so you can be on the path to accelerate your business results and ultimately enjoy having the kind of business in life you truly want and probably deserve. For over 20 years, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell has shown men and women how to communicate with clarity, vulnerability, and power in order to create meaningful collaborative relationships in both professional and personal contexts. She is the best-selling author of Uncompromising Intimacy and the host of the Intimate Marriage Podcast. Dr. Alexandra has been featured in the Huffington Post, Rolling Stone, USA Today, Cosmopolitan, Business Insider, Fox News, New York City, just to name a few. Disruptors Magazine recently named her as one of the 30 inspiring women to watch in 2022. Welcome, Alexandra. We really appreciate you joining us. I'm very excited to be here and looking forward to our conversation. I am too, actually. <laughs> Let's start with what are some of the important differences in how we engage in business relationships versus our personal relationships? You know, that seems at first glance like a very simple question. And the answer is actually kind of nuanced and sophisticated because when you really prioritize your personal relationships, specifically marriage, long-term committed partnership, if you have that, you prioritize it and really develop communication skills, the ability to be vulnerable, to listen well, to be open-hearted and comprehensive in what it is that you have to communicate. When you use your personal relationship to really refine your skills that way, they translate surprisingly seamlessly into professional context where obviously you're not going to have the same quality of communication. But if you can express yourself clearly and not pretend things are different than they are in your intimate relationships, it really is not so much of a stretch to then adjust in the professional context in a way that is honest, comprehensive, direct, and successful. I love the direct, for sure, honest, and successful. <laughs> Works well for me. Now, in the beginning of that, you talked about listening well. How would you really help us be better listeners so we do listen well? Because so many people I don't think, really listen well. Correct. And I think the reason that I opened by talking about using our personal relationships as the gym, the playground, the training area, is because there's more room to make mistakes when you're both in it for the long haul and you're growing together. There often isn't as much leeway for mistakes, but the same principles apply and everything I'm about to say, you can just start off practicing in a professional context if you wish. So the main thing in listening that is not conducive to collaboration and more creative, efficient progress 
both in terms of revenue and personal gratification, what does not work in achieving that is listening just enough in order to know what you're going to say next or listening so that you can defend yourself or listening so you can show how actually your idea contribution or direction you want to go is better, like listening in order to debate well. These are things that if we're honest with ourselves, we're doing all the time. And so I want to contrast that with listening in a different way. So first of all, when we're listening in a way that's defensive or to know what we're going to say next or any of the things I've just listed, we're often really listening with our attention in our head. It's almost like when reading a, a page in a book, we just skim it to get the essence. That's a very kind of superficial intellectual place for our attention to be. And depending on what kind of communication you're having, but if it's more of a brainstorming or a year-end review or something where it's not just a quick logistical communication, if you actually, without anybody noticing you're doing anything different, this isn't weird, this doesn't need to call attention to itself, you just bring your attention into your heart and continue to listen, there's something that happens where the conversation is more generous, more creative, and more successful. And when you just keep the same posture, no one knows you're doing anything differently, you just bring your attention into your heart and listen, you will find that the people you're listening to suddenly have more brilliant things to say. Wow, that's interesting. And I think a lot of us do listen with our own agenda in mind and like ready to pounce on, you know, when I get the opportunity. So I think what I if I hear you correctly, you're talking about, at least from my perspective, how I would categorize that or phrase that is you're kind of tuning out the noise in your head. So there's really nothing there. You're just listening more with your heart. Is that correct? Yes, but I want to be clear. I'm not talking about some woo-woo kind of thing that takes forever and has no structure. I'm really just talking about essentially bringing your attention into your heart and then listening the way you always would, but not not being disconnected from your own heart. That's one thing that really changes conversations. When I lead workshops, it's I don't tell people ahead of time what the plan is, but people pair up and I have them say something like, how was your day? With their attention on their head, basically, listening. And then the person gives an answer. And then I have the question askers set, bring their attention to their heart and say, how was your day? Without telling the person they're asking it, what change they're making. And then have them bring their attention down into their pelvis and say, how was your day? And it is amazing consistently how the answers given are different. Typically, when you ask the question with your attention on your head, the person will respond with logistics and what they didn't get done and the traffic and what was stressful. And then when you ask with the attention on your heart, they'll often share something more about how it felt or what they hoped for, those kinds of things. And then when your attention is in the pelvis, somehow, I don't know that I would generally categorize it, but it also has a different feeling that 
It can be more about bigger dreams that someone doesn't usually share. And I'm not saying this is a hard and fast rule, but what I'm really saying is that we often, when looking at communication, focus on the person speaking. They need to articulate better. They need to learn to express themselves, be willing to be visible, take risks, be more efficient and precise. And all of that is true, but especially if you're in a managerial position with people who are reporting to you or contractors working for you, how you listen is a much bigger contribution to the, to the success of that communication than people usually think. Great example. I love that. So I'm much clearer on how that would work and what potentially can happen. Appreciate you sharing that in that clarity. What's the most important thing to make relationships with clients successful? That is a very interesting question because, of course, we're all taught that customer service is so important. The customer's always right. And there's some amount of that which is true. But the thing that builds trust, that has your clients keep coming back to you, that has your clients, especially if you're a coach or a therapist or a personal growth facilitator or something along those lines, what will have your clients go deeper in their work with you is your level of honesty. Now, done with skill and grace, not just brutal honesty or like emotionally labile honesty. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you learn to speak the truth in a way that fully takes responsibility for your own experience, it makes you trustworthy, which in itself is magnetizing, both for sales and delivery of services. So actually, I was talking with a client just this morning, this client is a um, some kind of business consultant in Europe, and he goes into companies, both small and large, and facilitates like bonding and, and group activities and influences company culture. And he was talking about, but he's my client, so in talking about this, it wasn't so much about the work he does, but the work he was doing with me. And he was talking about how when he's speaking to clients, this isn't an issue at all. But when he's speaking with colleagues, particularly colleagues who want to collaborate with him on projects or enroll him into supporting them in impacting the company in one way or another, he never wants to just say, no, actually, that doesn't interest me. Or to say, what kind of response would you like me to give? Are you looking for feedback or just sharing what you're working on right now? And we talked about the different ways in which he could be honest without being off-putting. And his eyes just lit up because he saw how this would just shift all these collaborations and people wouldn't be reaching out to him wasting his time because the purpose of the communication would no longer be so vague if he gets in the habit of saying what kind of feedback are you looking for and then actually give the feedback they request rather than just kind of being vague so as not to hurt anybody's feelings. Excellent. Great. I love the examples. That really creates a lot of clarity. What do you think is the high performer's key 
to a successful relationship in business, but also translates into their personal life? I think the key is not to compromise, but I want to explain what I'm referring to. So in personal relationships, the most common advice, certainly in North America, probably throughout the world, is you need to learn to compromise. If you want a great relationship, you've got to be good at compromising. That is not the teaching in business, but very often it's applied there because by compromise, what we're talking about is holding back on what matters to you so that the people around you feel more comfortable. In contrast, I advocate strongly for being uncompromising. In the context of personal relationships, I refer to it as uncompromising intimacy. And what I mean is not that you always get your own way or that you're controlling, but that in contrast to compromise where you hold back on what's important to you so your partner feels better or more comfortable, when it comes to being uncompromising, you share the full truth of who you are and invite your partner to do the same. And then together you can figure out how you want to navigate that. But you're not checking some part of yourself at the door when you go home because you can't figure out how to bring it into the relationship. That's the context in, pers context in personal relationships. Now, when it comes to business relationships, it's obviously completely inappropriate to be looking to bring your whole self into those relationships. It's just inherently not what professional relationships are. However, so many of us are conditioned to kind of emotionally trim the corners and turn away from our desires or our truth in a way that holds back how deep we can go with biz in business relationships, how efficient we can be. It's like we're, we're talking through a buffer that actually doesn't serve the business relationships. And the people that we know of who are super successful, Sheryl Sandberg or Elon Musk, or I don't know whom we want to hold up as an example, even uh, Sarah Blakely, like the people who are Oprah, the people who are super successful, one of their hallmarks is that they honor how they feel, what they want, their vision. They honor what is happening inside them before anything else. And on the way to the rise in their success, many people judge them as selfish. But now, as a result of really honoring their internal experience, their thoughts and feelings, all of it, their visions and ways of doing things, now all these people rally around them and they have this huge impact on so many people. And I don't think we need to get to that level of success to really benefit from integrating that approach, which fundamentally involves honoring ourselves rather than contorting in order to fit into a particular context. Okay, good, good, good stuff here. How does that land for you? How do you connect that with accountability? I'm genuinely curious. Well, I think accountability is being truthful and it's telling people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Yes. 
in my opinion. And so to me, I always look at it as the truth might not always be easy, but the truth is better for everybody. You know, I really hear you and I'm glad I asked because I think what you're talking about with accountability really in every episode of this podcast has to do with tasks, even though, of course, it involves addressing emotions and organizations and all kinds of things. The outcome that you're focused on is getting tasks done. I'm not saying that's the only thing. And I'm really working with the exact same principle, but in the realm of communication and internal alignment and living according to your values rather than kind of trimming them in order to fit in. What can a business owner or leader do when a staff member doesn't want to be held accountable or seems unhappy or just isn't performing to their standards? The thing to do is to find out what lights that person up. Because if you can find a way to have the work environment connect with and support what lights that person up, then they can suddenly become one of your highest performers. But what is really hard in a way that makes sense in the context of this conversation is to be producing and focusing on things without the internal motivation, because that's a uh, it, it's like the equivalent of an autoimmune disease. There's a way in which that person is being untrue to themselves. So part of being a successful employee often involves becoming skillful at putting our own needs aside. But for a manager or an employer to be working with people and looking for how to help someone be successful in your company, it is key to find out what what do they love? What lights them up? Maybe you might have, give me an example of a business that, that we might use. Let's say it's a financial advisor running Perfect. his or her own business. Okay, so a financial advisor running his or her own business, and maybe there's an employee in the office who's just really not showing up who loves surfing. There are ways to look at what that person loves about surfing and help them bridge that to the activities in the office. I don't really know surfing well enough to do this very skillfully, but there's a way in which when we invite the inner world of other people into the business within professionalism and appropriate standards, that when we can have someone's inner life be more engaged in what's happening in the workplace, a whole bunch of problems fall away. But I feel like I should be a little bit more specific about how this would work. So let's say somebody loves surfing and there are responsibilities in the financial advisor business involves filing and like administrative work. Actually, because I don't know surfing, I would really ask the person, what skills could you develop while you're here? that would be really relevant while you're surfing. And I don't have the answer, but I believe there is an answer because things are more connected than they seem. That's a really good question. 
because I don't know surfing either. I could guess probably a couple of things, but that's a great question to ask well, no matter what they're interested in, right? Yes, exactly. And I use that example because I actually have a client who's a young man who is a surfer and I've learned a lot about the surfing community. One of the things is that the surfing community is a very social grassroots community where the people who participate have a way of speaking with one another that is more connected than in many other sports. And that is something that could easily be translated into an office setting, the way of being more open-hearted and communicating with people in a way that I've come to understand is common in the surfing industry. That's one example. Yeah, for sure. What would be the best way for people to connect with you to really learn more about what you do, how you can help them? Well, I'm really happy to offer the first chapter of my book, which is called Uncompromising Intimacy and Honestly, whether you're married and in a committed relationship or you're not, if you care about communication and relationships and the state of the world, I think you'll find this chapter very interesting because I describe the four kinds of relationships and what to do about them, including toxic relationships, termination relationships, toleration relationships, and conscious partnerships. And all of it pertains to what we've been talking about. So if you'd like to download the first chapter, it's free at alexandrastockwell.com forward slash book. And that will also take you to my website where you can read all kinds of articles. And I have my own podcast, the Intimate Marriage Podcast. And feel free to reach out. Anyone who messages me through my website, I personally read it and will be glad to respond and happy to hear what spoke to you in our conversation. And for sure, go ahead and download the first chapter of Uncompromising Intimacy at alexandrastockwell.com forward slash book. Awesome. I appreciate that. And I'm sure we you will get a lot of people downloading that based on our conversation today. Is there anything else that you feel is important to share? Yes. If work is the place where you're lit up, you have your purpose, it's the place where you feel most alive, share that in your intimate relationships because there's a way in which people often stop sharing because the relationship is separate and you will feel more integrated when you integrate those two parts of your life. And there's one more thing I want to say, which is that there's not a great deal of research, but the research that exists, the data is very clear that people who have fantastic personal relationships, meaning committed romantic partnerships, they are much more likely to do well in business. People who do really well in business are much more likely to have unsatisfying personal relationships. So if you want to do well in business, don't wait until you're doing well to then focus on your personal relationship. Focus on your personal relationship because it will feed into and enhance your business growth. 
awesome advice. <laughs> Again, I appreciate you taking your very valuable time to be with us. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my hope for our time together with Dr. Alexandra Stockwell is that you got value and an idea or two that will help you be even more successful personally and professionally. Feel free to share my podcast with others as it can be found on most podcast platforms and in most English speaking countries and, of course, on accountabilitycoach.com. And if you'd like to get a short daily fix from me, subscribe to the Accountability Minute, which can also be found on most podcast platforms and in most English speaking countries. And if you'd like more proven business success resources and tips, subscribe to my blog by going to accountabilitycoach.com forward slash blog. And always remember to aim for what you want each and every day. Until next time, make it a great day. Today and every day. I appreciate you listening.